Now I have to admit, on Valentine's Day, I don't think I've ever given dead, dried up roses to anybody. Have you? Some of you? Maybe? No, I, I've never. But as we watch this, uh, just the sermon video, you know, before, I think it does a great job of encapsulating what happens when someone's unfaithful. And we're going to be talking a lot about unfaithfulness today. I'm sorry. Hosea chapters 4 to 14 talk about it. Last week we talked about faithfulness, right? And we talked a little bit about unfaithfulness. But this week we're going to talk a little bit more about unfaithfulness, but also talk about faithfulness. So either way, you know. But the Scriptures teach it, and so we preach it. Amen? And here's the truth about the Scriptures, that God doesn't want to leave us in that dead state. He is faithful even when we're not. He brings new life. He wants to and he does it. And he raises up those dead flowers that become ashes, right? The deadness in our life and he raises it up new again. You know that song that we sing here, Graves into Gardens, says that, right? Even the book of Isaiah does. That, that uh, those, those dead things, he makes beautiful. And, and I love that. So happy Valentine's Day. And I know it's a special day for some of us, right? And maybe for some others, it's, it's not so special. But I hope that as we leave this place, it's my prayer that each and every one of us would know God's love for them, that God's love is better than any human's love. Amen? And that Jesus is the best Valentine's gift we could ever receive in our life. It's the best, he's the best expression of love that we have ever gotten. And really, that's what Hosea is about. We're, doing, we're in our two-part series in this Old Testament book that's, by the way, 2,800 years old. And so if you weren't here last week, you can catch it online again. I, I, I pray that you go and look at what, what some things we talked about in Hosea chapters 1 through 3 last week on faithfulness that's always available to you. But as a little recap, here's what we kind of talked about from Hosea 1-3, that marriage... God gives as a gift, and it symbolizes the relationship that we would have between believers and Jesus. All throughout the scriptures, he talks about us as being the bride and Jesus being the bridegroom. We talked about how faithful is not just important in marriage, but in any relationship, really. In a relationship with friends and especially within our families. And we talked a little bit about the, the task of prophets in the Old Testament. Do you remember that? And what they were called to do, really hard task and sometimes strange task. And Hosea's special task was to marry a woman that was unfaithful. Not only unfaithful, but have children with her and remain married to her. And even so much so that, that Hosea, if you remember, bought his wife back from that slavery of prostitution when she was destitute and alone. Why? Because this is how God, through the prophet's symbolic actions, shows his faithfulness to the people he chose and to you and to me. That the Bible would say that even when we are unfaithful, God chose us just like he chose Savannah and he's going to remain true to that promise in Savannah's life as he remains true to every one of our lives. Just as Hosea stayed committed to his wife and remained faithful, so God does that to the people he loves. And that's a great, great privilege and honor to be God's child because we're unfaithful. But God is faithful. We, we looked at this ancient word called kesed. If you remember that, it's a Hebrew word. 
And by the way, if you open up your Bibles or on your phones, maybe it's on your phones, I don't know, but, but, but in your Bibles, if you want to learn the Hebrew alphabet, I know you do want to learn Hebrew alphabet, go to Psalm 119, 176 verses in Psalm 119, and before every section, it has all the, the Hebrew letters. And so you have three letters pretty much in root words of, of, this, of, of any word in Hebrew. It's kesed, it goes from right to left, so that's keth and samik and daleth. And these little three little dots here are kind of the eh sound. So you have kesid. And I know what you're thinking. You know, that was worth the price of admission today. I know. Yeah. Some of you, some of you are really interested in that. I know others are not. But it's just something that um, I think is fascinating because there's really not a word like it in English. But it means steadfast love, mercy, covenant, faithfulness. And the, the Bible declares God's faithfulness all over the place. Just a few scriptures. I read it for, uh, as a blessing. I'll read it again this week from 1 Thessalonians 5. He who calls you is faithful. Our affirmation last week was from Lamentations. The Lord's mercies are new every morning. Great is His. What? Oh, Great is His. Thank you. From Psalm 119. Your faithfulness. Yours, God, endures through all generations. I think about this as, as I've become a grandparent uh, of three, just kind of like that. You know, one biological, two have been adopted or in the process of adoption. I have three grandsons, and I think about God's faithfulness in our family. It endures through all generations. What a blessing to trust in that. Exodus 34 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in kesed, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. In the Psalms, all His work, everything God does, it's done in faithfulness for us. Faithful God we have. Amen? What's most amazing about God's faithfulness is that it doesn't depend on us. It's all about who he is. That's his character. Doesn't depend on us. I want you to think about the relationships that you have between a husband and a wife or between, between families and, and, and friendships. If one person doesn't keep their end of the bargain, right, or, or doesn't do uh, what, what's needed, right, what, what happens? The relationship kind of fizzles out, doesn't it? And then what if that person is unfaithful? Well, that friendship or that marriage, it may break up. But thank God, he's not like us. He is perfect and true and faithful because when we're unfaithful, he keeps his promises, his undeserved kesed, his kindness and mercy. It's there each and every day for us. That's the God we can trust in. So when we fall and we stumble and we mess up, we can go to a faithful God and say, God, you promise not to be like some of our broken relationships. You're true and faithful to me. Praise God. And so in Hosea chapters 4 through 14, this is what we're going to do. We're going to see how the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, how they were unfaithful. And we're going to see what God's reaction was. Now we're going to be flipping around back and forth from Hosea 4 to 6 to 11 to 14, back and forth. So it's always going to be on the screen. But you can always follow along in the scriptures. So open up to Hosea chapter 4. That's where we're going to start today, beginning in verse 1. And I'm going to ask you, as we go through this message, to examine your life, to think about our generation, how we're unfaithful to the Lord. 
you might want to make a list of that. It's provided for you in your sermon outline. Um, just start that, you know. Put things in there that come to mind. Hosea chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. There's only cursing, lying, murder, stealing, and adultery. What's that remind you of? God's what? God's commandments, right? Cursing, lying, murder, stealing, adultery. They break all bounds. And then what happens? Bloodsheds follows bloodshed. That's what happens when you break God's commands. Maybe not physically, but blood flows. Skip to verse 6. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also reject you as my priest. And I'm going to stop there for a minute. And have you considered that when you go through the Old Testament, okay, especially in the book of Proverbs, if you ever read and it kind of gets confusing and, and you, you uh, replace knowledge or wisdom with the word Jesus, it makes it even clearer. A little tip for you, okay? One with a lot of tips for you. So here, listen to verse 6 again. My people are destroyed from lack of Jesus. Because you have rejected Jesus, I also reject you as my priest. Does that make better sense? I mean, they were rejecting the gifts that God gave. Even the gift of the promise of Messiah and all that brings with it. And so what happens? Because you've ignored the law of your God, I also ignore your children. Yikes. I mean, that's what happens. You reject Jesus. We're going to find out why. Skip to verse 10. They've deserted the Lord to give themselves to prostitution. My people consult a wooden idol. And a diviner's rod speaks to them. A spirit of prostitution leads them astray. They are unfaithful to their God. So you can add to that list, deserting the Lord, worshiping idols. That's really the how of God's people. That's how they are being unfaithful. And really, I only have time in my message to go over chapter 4. But if you read 5 through 14, you'll find a whole list of sins that God points out. And it shows how God's people were being unfaithful. And not just unfaithful, they were being unrepentant. And I think, and I just praise God, that there's times in our life when we are repentant, that's a gift from God. When we say sorry and our hearts condemn us, right? We say God is greater than our hearts. But these people, they weren't just being unfaithful and unrepentant for a day. Not just for a year, not just for two years, but hundreds of years generations worth of unfaithfulness and unrepentance. And how do you think that, God, that would make God feel? It's like a slap in the face to him. Don't you think that he would be hurt? He would be sad? Of all the things that they did, remember it's 2,800 year, 2, years ago this book was written. It's after kind of the, the greatest period of the, the, the kingdom of Israel. Okay, after David and after Solomon. They had everything. They were the most powerful nation. But now other nations are around them. Remember, it was a divided kingdom. And, and they started following after other gods. And maybe they followed after other gods because of fear. Maybe they truly believed that these gods were more powerful than the god that they worshipped. But they committed adultery, basically, because they were clinging to idols. Now, it's clear that when you look back on things, you don't have to go to that slide yet, when you look back on things, 
in, in the Scriptures, it's clear that we can do this, right? I mean, we, I don't know about you, but I read, when I read the Scripture, I'm like, yeah, Israel, I mean, you guys are such knuckleheads, you're so stupid, why would you do that? You know, and you start pointing the finger, right? But when you point the finger, how many fingers are pointing back to you? Three, right? Point at you, three are pointing back at me. So we have to take a look at our own life. Not just what Israel did. Did they deserve it? What, what happened to them? Yeah, they did. Was God correct to call them out for the sin? Yes. Is he correct to do that today? Absolutely. Do we cling to idols today? Answer, yes. So we get to identify those. But when I was thinking about clinging to idols, I thought about this. I thought of my oldest kid, my, yeah, my two oldest kids, Lauren and Brandon. I mean to tell you, for I don't know how many years, they were clinging to their blankies. They just did. It reminded me of the Charlie Brown cartoons, you know, the Linus that's clinging to their blankets. And it doesn't matter when they went to bed, when they took naps, when the car rides, just all throughout the day, they were clinging to those blankets and they became so disgusting, so tattered, so full of holes. Even when we watched them regularly, they wanted them back. They were clinging. And guess what? That clinging doesn't stop just because you become an adult. I was one year into my marriage, 1994. And my wife, go on, you know, summertime, I, I, I go find uh, my flip-flops. Not just flip-flops, but my 1986 Adidas soccer college flip-flops. Yes, they were almost unwearable. Yes, they were disgusting. But they were gone. And my wife said, oh, yeah, I threw them away. What? You know, game on, I was so crushed. I was so hurt. Did I cling? Yeah, absolutely. I was clinging to the glory days. But we all cling to things, don't we? And that clinging sometimes can be a good thing, but sometimes it can be a bad thing. And so what are those things we cling to today? I made a list. You might want to make your own. Entertainment. Got to binge watch a show. I don't care if it's during church or if I'm missing small group or reading the Bible. I got to do this. I got to go up north. I got to go down south, whatever it is, right? The money, the status, the house, the cars, the clothes, the beauty, the exercise. For me, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter. I got to get my, I got to go to gym. Doesn't matter if I had my time with Jesus. I got to go. Drugs, alcohol, family, friends, food, sex. You name it, right? I mean, just, just think about this, especially that last part, right? <laughs> the, the last one, uh, a thought came to me. I was watching Super Bowl 55, was it two weeks ago now, by now? Super Bowl 55 and the halftime show. That was kind of clean, but the halftime show before that, at least that's what I heard because I had it on two years ago with the J-Lo Shakira thing. My wife said, oh, no, <laughs> turn it off. I mean, any social media, anything we have, it's skin right away. Right? Is sex good? Yeah, it's absolutely. And in the context of marriage, is food and family. That's all good stuff, right? But what happens when we cling to them and we can't let go? What happens when we place them above God? What happens when we place them before God? That's when it becomes idolatry. That's when it becomes adultery. That's when it becomes unfaithfulness. Because who deserves the number one spot in our hearts? Sunday school answer? Jesus or God? I'll take both. You're right. Yeah, he deserves it. That is so true. 
because of what he's done for us. And our meaning in life can only be found in him, not in that stuff. So where does our unfaithfulness lead us? It leads us to be disappointed. It leads us to be empty. If you remember from last week in Gomer and what she was doing, she kept running after her lovers, the Bible said, but couldn't catch them. She, could, she tried to look for them, but couldn't find them. See what happens when we try to cling to something that, that, that we want to satisfy? It becomes insatiable. And it never is enough. I read an article a couple weeks ago that made a good case for another idol that we could cling to right now. Maybe we could do it uh, before this, but certainly during this COVID pandemic. And the article said health and safety, that it could be an idol too. And asked the question, could we as a nation be clinging to keeping our health and safety as a priority and above God or before God or more important than acknowledging God? Don't get me wrong. I acknowledge the reality of this virus. I mean, the week... uh, at Christmas time, right as we were coming back from St. Louis, my whole family got it. It wiped us out. Thank God we got it all at one time, and thank God it wasn't too uh, catastrophic. But I know it's real. I know it's dangerous. I know it's life-threatening to some. However, as Christians, have we come, become so fearful that we're putting the safety of our health above worshiping God? And maybe without realizing it, creating some bad habits. Is our fear of sickness and death overshadowing the health of our faith? I can't answer that for each of you. I can't, but I thought it was a challenging question and worth considering today as we talk about what things can become idols and what we can cling to. Praise God we have the technology, right? For some that are truly immune compromised and it's dangerous to come out, praise God that you're watching online and that you're worshiping together at home That's awesome. However, as I mentioned, if you remember last week, maybe not, if you were here before that prayer time last week, I said, man, how good is it that we can come together and personally worship as followers of Jesus? Because in the truth of the scriptures, from the Bible, it's clear that the public gathering of believers is sacred and important. How do I know that? The Bible says it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, don't give up meeting together. Let us not give up. Because some in the habit of doing. But let us encourage. Let's encourage one another as the day approaches, the Bible says. Now do long for the day when we can come together without masks and we're being together. And really, Satan I think who is alive and well, he wants to use this time in the church for maybe some, not all, maybe some, to lull them away from good habits and would turn into clinging to something else. I mean, God can do that, use everything. Sorry, not God, Satan can use that. But take a look again, a little bit of the long list of idols there that that, that I put uh, before you. You know, People, we cling to those things. We cling to them because we, can't, we, we think we can't get enough or we can't get uh, through life without them. That we can't make enough, right? Have enough power, have enough wealth, whatever it is. Whatever that idol has to offer because we think that these things satisfy. Yeah, we're not making carved wooden idols out of something like the people of Israel did. That doesn't mean we don't commit adultery. 
That doesn't mean we're not unfaithful to the Lord with modern day things because we cling. We cling to things that are powerless and empty and that lead to dead end just like those roses do. And so as we look in the book of Hosea, we're going to see what the consequences were to the Old Testament people. Hosea warns them over and over again, turn, turn away, turn away. Yet they remain unfaithful. Chapter 4 verse 19 says this is what's going to happen. A whirlwind will sweep them away and their sacrifices will bring them shame. Chapter 11, verse 5 through 7, because they refuse to return to me, the sword will whirl against their cities, demolish their gate bars, and consume them because of their counsels. So my people are bent on turning from me. I don't know about you, I know about me. And sometimes I'm bent on turning from God because all that stuff that we, you know, is more important. I have to come to church. I have to be doing my quiet time at home. God, help me. That's why we're with family and friends worshiping together to, to point us to Jesus. People of Israel did the same thing for hundreds of years, and so Hosea's prophecies, they finally come true. Remember I said it was like 800 years before Jesus? But in 722 B.C., the Assyrian army then takes the northern kingdom down, captures them, makes them serve Assyria. Then in 586, the southern kingdom Judah falls to the Babylonians. So idolatry, it leads us down disastrous roads. It's, it's, it's no different today. No different today because addictions that can start out to be fun, Right? become unbreakable habits. People let us down. The stock market crashes, right? Homes need to be repaired. Cars need to be fixed. Our age, you know, makes our beauty fade. And yet we want to cling to these things and not to God. That's unfaithfulness and that leads to bad consequences. And so you might be wondering, well, why would the Lord who loves us so much Allow us to experience such negative consequences. Why wouldn't he just save us from all this pain? If you're a follower of Jesus, keep asking that question. It's a good one to ask. Because God allows us to experience these consequences of our sinful actions, to experience unfaithfulness, because that often leads back to repentance. Because God will do whatever it takes to have a close relationship with us. That's what he wants. And then we maybe hit rock bottom. And we say, what have I done? What idol have I cling to that brought this on myself? Satan, what are you doing? World, what are you doing? My own sinfulness, what are you doing? Those are the three enemies that we have, right? The devil, this world, and our own sin. Because God gives humans this freedom to choose these physical material idols and freedom not to choose them, but to choose him. Why does he allow this? Because it causes us to give up our grasp on clinging to something that's bad to help us return to him. And we realize then the only thing we need is Jesus in our life. When God's people are unfaithful, I love this, he didn't walk away. He didn't say, you know what, because you're unfaithful, I'm going to choose another, another nation. No. He kept true to his promise because that's where Messiah comes. He is faithful to his people. He longs for them to return. And he waits patiently 
That's what the book of Hosea is about. Just like Hosea did with his wife, so Israel, God is doing this with Israel. Hosea chapter 6 says it this way, verses 4 and 7, 4 through 7. What can I do with you, Ephraim? And I want you to hear God's tender love even through this. Ephraim is just another word for Israel. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love's like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore, therefore what? I cut you to pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. Then my judgments go forth like the sun. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. That is at Adam they have broken the covenant. They were unfaithful to me there. See these consequences, these judgments come to discipline us, to change us so that we would return to a faithful God. Chapter 13 verse 4 says, I'm the Lord your God. Remember me? I'm the one that brought you out of slavery. I'm the one who rescued you. You shall acknowledge me, not God. No Savior except me. God is a jealous God. He wants our love. He's urging them to be faithful. And he wants to do whatever it takes to win them back, to have that intimate relationship as they had once again. And I want you to think about that for just a minute. That's the kind of God we have. And isn't that the kind of a love we want from a husband or a wife or from a best friend or from a parent? To love us enough to do what it takes to get you back after you make bad choices. That's the kind of God we have. Hebrews chapter 12 in the New Testament says something similar about these uncomfortable consequences. It says, but God disciplines us for our good. That we may share in his holiness no discipline seems pleasant at a time, but what? Are you with me? What is it? Yeah, painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So we examine our lives and we say to the Lord, God, show me my idols and look out. What's God want us to do then? Hosea chapter 14 pleads this way. Return. Return, Israel, to your God, your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Return and take words with you. Return and say to the Lord to him, forgive all our sins. Receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria can't save. We're not going to mount war horses. He will we will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. Our faithful God wants us to return, to come back to him. Every time we sin, we have that opportunity to return and come back to him and know that he's a faithful God and we'll hear that. So if you were to ask me, how do I return? How do I repent? I'll say, well, just go to Hosea. Go to Hosea. What am I supposed to do? Take words. Well, what kind of words, God? Forgive. Receive. What kind of words, God? Praise. From the fruit of my lips, praise. What kind of words, God? Words of commitment. We'll never again. We will not, we'll never again. I mean, it's the same thing today. As sinner and saint, right? As God's people that are called out to be holy, we still are sinful. Savannah agrees with me. I agree too. That's who we are, but then we have these words that we can use to God. If you're ever in that time, go to Hosea. Use these words. Hosea 6 repeats the same theme of repentance. Come, let us return to the Lord. 
He's torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He's injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he'll revive. On the third day, he'll restore that we would live in his presence. Wow, on the third day, good things happen on the third day, amen? It is resurrection day. Let us acknowledge then. Let's acknowledge, let's press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, his faithfulness is going to appear. He will come to us like the winter rains. That's his faithfulness. Like the spring rains that water the earth. That's Kessid. That's his faithfulness. That's what he's going to do. Chapter 14, verse 4 then tells us, I will heal their waywardness. I will love them freely. For my anger is turned away from them. See, Hosea the prophet, he's calling God's people back to God. He calls it, Hosea, 2,800 years later, is calling us back to God too. To return to him. Because our unfaithfulness has crushed God's heart. But when we return to him, when we say, God, I want to let go of this idol. Help me do it. Help me cling to you. And guess what he's going to say? Because he says it to me each and every day. Because of the cross, because of the cross, my anger has turned away. Amen? Because of Jesus' blood and his holiness, God's wrath was put on him and not me. Thank and praise you, God. Thank you for your faithfulness because it's reliable as the sun that rises. It's reliable as the winter snow that's going to come. Still, three to six inches, I think, Monday night. You can count on him. He's good without fail. He meets our needs every day. Great is his what? Faithfulness. Israel and Judah, they had to undergo go discipline and brokenness in order to experience that full restoration from God. And in God's love and in his sovereignty, he allowed another nation, many nations, to take over their country and be years in captivity, right? But then he allows them to return back to the land that he promised. He's faithful to his promise from you. Messiah is going to come. Yeah, you were unfaithful to me. I'm still going to give through you through Abraham and David and Moses and Abraham and David and Solomon, I'm still giving you Jesus. He does that today. God allows us to experience in that unfaithfulness that we might see and undergo discipline so that we could be restored back to him. And that happens daily because we're sinner and saint daily. I pray that you read Hosea 5 through 14 this week and look at those themes. Happy Valentine's Day. The greatest gift you could ever receive is Jesus. God wants you to cling to him in faithfulness. Amen.